0: I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Welcome to another episode of Going Out with Jake Cornell. I am Jake Cornell, and this is my co-producer and friend Katie Brown. It's never good.
1: He looks in so much physical pain when he does that part.
0: Um, <laughs> no, but you need to watch Selling OC. I know. Selling OC is so good. It's like it's Selling Sunset. All villains, they're almost all villains.
1: And I did love Selling Sunset. So I feel like I'll love this. There's
0: no way you won't. It's fantastic. It's really fantastic.
1: The issue is for me is that like I'm on this kick of watching Cold Case Files and I can't (laughs) stop. And so I haven't like watched any of my other shows. What's the, what is the difference between
0: Cold Case Files and Unsolved Mysteries?
1: I don't know what Unsolved Mysteries, I've never watched Unsolved Mysteries, but here's how Cold Case Files works. Okay. okay? It's like basically every episode is the same. Okay. A beautiful white woman dies, is murdered. She is described As the nicest person, her smile lit up a room, okay? Uh Every single time, every single person. Then, it's, like, the 80s, so, like, DNA evidence is, like, kind of not helpful. So, like, they didn't catch it, the person. Back then, you could pretty much get away with murder, like, really easily, it seems like. Yeah. The show makes it seem like this. And then- They open the case back up. They make lots of puns about cold and then thawing out. You know, it's as cold as the Wisconsin. The killer
0: has been chilling all along. No, no, no. Like the
1: cold case, the case went as cold as the icy Wisconsin, whatever. Oh, god. It's like that. And then it's like, and then it's all of a sudden, 1999, the case heats back up. And then it's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like, they just like test the evidence. And it's like, okay, we found it. The husband the did it.
0: Like 100%. Or it's like
1: some a lot of the time it's just like random so crazy I'm, people, or sometimes it's like the So on
0: cold case files they solve the mystery. So Every that would single be a the they solve Because unsolved mysteries. In the They don't solve. It's I just they have, could present the mystery. And sometimes there's like an obvious answer, but it's like, they don't, they can't prove it.
1: I love how in Cold, cold Case Files you get closure because in so much true crime, you don't.
0: 100%. You murder know? on Middle Beach. You watched it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Oh, it's incredible. It's my, literally incredible. The
1: dad definitely like sent a hitman. I think the dad Kill sent a hitman. Mom.
0: I just think it was such a well-made documentary.
1: I'm like, oh my God, I was crushing so hard on the-
0: <laughs> Oh, he's so hot. He's so <laughs> he's hot. He's so hot. He has the same name as my sister, which is a huge issue, but he's so hot.
1: He's really hot. I was like, I know that's not the point of this, but I, I was like, I was like, hmm, okay.
0: No, yeah, that documentary that is- That doesn't
1: hurt it. It didn't hurt the fact that he was hot. But anyway, I could not believe the aunt was blaming- her niece.
0: That shit was So intensely dark.
1: with zero proof.
0: I know. It was like, I just, there, you do have to kind of stand her. She is really like a character throughout it where it's like, she's like, no, the daughter did it and has thought that for years. And the daughter's like, fuck you. I'm moving to South America. Yeah. You'll never see me again.
1: She, like, she's like, it's so kind of sus that she moved. And it's like, no, her mom died, was Horribly. murdered. She's she not close with anyone else in the family. She wanted to get the fuck out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ali is an icon for, like, moving, away, I meaning like, I'm literally moving to a different country and, like, starting a new life. I really respect her. That's the way to
1: do it. That's the way to do it. But then I, you, your aunt might, you know, accuse you of murder.
0: I know. Sure. But, like, New England, suburban drama, like, that's really my, like, bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm living for that. It felt, yeah, like, and, like, the pyramid scheme of it all, like, I just, that's, it It, it was really close to home for me. I loved that like, documentary.
1: Like, oh, my God, yeah, the dinner... The, the, po- gifting the gifting table. the gifting party. Yeah, if you're wa-
0: okay, if you're listening to this, you need to watch Mid- Murder on Middle Beach four part docu series on HBO Max. Literally incredible.
1: It's insane. The the person.
0: At what point did you realize that the initials of Murder on Middle Beach are Mom? Just right now. Okay, yeah. Right Huge now. moment where I realized, oh, it's called that because it's Mom.
1: I'm. I knew that all along because <laughs> I was an English major and I pick up on things.
0: Absolutely. Like
1: that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I like what. What's so cool about it is, like. I've never, I mean, there's been documentaries where like obviously the filmmakers get really like interested and become very like personally invested, but nothing like this where it's like the actual producer of this documentary's mom Mm -hmm. is the one that-
0: Right, and I also think that like, I don't know, like I I have watched a lot of stuff kind of talking about like the moral- gray questionability of, like, a lot of true crime media. Like, what is, like, how are we feeling about this? Like, we're yeah. sort of, like, making media out of, like, people's trauma. Right. We're and getting, like, like, entertainment this one, out
1: of somebody's... This drink.
0: one's being made by the family. Like, the family made this documentary and is, like, here is our story, we are presenting it. And so I do feel more, less morally gray about watching it than, like, um, um like listening to, like, a podcast that called, like, My Favorite Murder. You know what I mean? Like, it's, oh it doesn't God, feel yeah. as, like... It doesn't feel as, like, um disconnected from like the the emotionality of it
1: yes I think yeah I agree with that I think with cold case files it's like because they're solving it it's like usually it's like it seems like it's a, a huge relief for the families because it's like these people that like still didn't get closure with like how their sibling or daughter or parent died and then years later they're still pursuing it and they're totally. having they're still like Begging the police to like reopen the case, and that's why they do it. So, I feel like with the ones like that, it's a little better than the ones that are just like you're just eating popcorn, watching like the craziest like.
0: Can I just psycho say, did person. I have I gone on this rant on the podcast yet though? Because like this, my thing in general is like I just want more, not true crime. Like I want more fake crime. Like I just want more like. I just want more fake crime. I want I want TV shows that are not based on true stories and not based on IP. Like, like you I want just like want...
1: more like how to get, get away with murder I, kind of vibes.
0: No, Mayor of Easttown. Okay, I was at my best when Mayor of Easttown was on because I want a mystery that I cannot go on Wikipedia and read the answer to. Like that is huge. Like, did you watch Mayor? No. Okay, wait. Literally, I didn't leave you a on murder, murder on TV. No, go watch it. I always it's like you're incredible. Mayor of Easttown was incredible, but it's just like going through those like weeks, because I didn't watch it week to week. I, like, realized that it was gonna... I realized, I think, like, on week... I think there was, like, six episodes, and on week four or five, I was like, oh, wait, it's the... The, the killer's about to be online. Like, this is about to end, and then I might see spoilers, so I watched, like, all of it, and then was on for the finale. But those, like, that week or two where it was, like, I don't know who the killer is, mm-hmm. and... There's no, I can't look it up. No one knows who the killer is. Like we as a community are like, we don't have the answer yet. Like that is such a fun place to exist and be talking to people. And it's like, no one knows the answer. Like we can all, you don't have to worry about spoilers. We can all be like, I think it was this person. I think it was that person. Like I just don't, I want original stories. I want to watch a TV show that we don't know how, like that doesn't exist anymore. Like,
1: yeah, I feel like all of the scripted ones are based off of the true stories now. Like
0: Or books or like a book.
1: You know what the most insane thing was? Okay. Do you remember like a while ago, um that girl who basically like convinced her boyfriend to kill himself?
0: Yeah, the girl from Plainville. Is that yeah. that's what the Hulu show is called? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Like why did they need to make that into a scripted television show? Well, that's the show? other thing like, about it. That is really it. fucked up that whole thing. Like that's, not that the yeah. other true crime isn't, but I don't know, it just it seems so fresh. Like I know. where's the line for like how, when it's been enough time that we can look at it through that lens.
0: Yeah, it just feels like, I think it's just like the psychology of it's like, people wanna walk, like, I think if they're like, if you're like someone making television, it's like, obviously you're investing all this money, so you wanna like, hedge your investment and make sure it's like, most likely, you're like gonna get ROI or whatever, but it's like, It's like, so you're thinking like, okay, people are going to, who are invested in the story are now going to come to this, but it's like, you know, they're going to come watch this thing. But I do think that is like a broken thing in our brain that it's like this horrific tragedy happens. And then our kind of like first impetus is to be like, let's now make like a dramatized like Hulu series. about It's just like, I think it's like, why? Like,
1: I feel like the ethics of that to me are way more fucked up than like the documentary ones where it's like, okay, you're talking to the people that were involved. You're talking to the parents of like the person or whatever. Totally. Whereas like this one, it's like. Let's get like this hot actress to play. I know. Like, I don't know why. It just, just like strange. it really like weirded me out. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I, there is something a little like I just don't know. Like I'm not like totally condemning it. I just don't know how I feel about it. I think it's like kind of strange. And it's like, but yeah. my my point is like we just have so many amazing writers. It's like regardless of whether or not we should be telling those stories of like these true stories that happen. It's like yeah. I want to see what happens when a writer is like you, like a really good writer is writing an original story. What we,
1: are some other examples of scripted crime that you've enjoyed?
0: Scripted crime that I really enjoyed. I mean, of course, now like drawing a full blank, but like.
1: No, it's just because like I can't really think like I, I really like the documentary ones, but it's it's rare that I feel like I really connect with the scripted ones because I'm just like
0: I mean, I it was based on a book, so I did know it was going to happen. But, like, the first season of Big Little Lies, like, that was, like, a big yes, moment. You that, know what I mean? Like, yes, that's kind yes, of what I'm talking is. about. That or like, one was,
1: and I didn't, watch, I didn't read the book, so, like, I just, like, went in blind to that. that was
0: yeah, really like, good. I think, like, the first season of Big Little Lies, and, like, I think, like— um, like I'm trying to think of like other ones, like but I just think there's something really fun about that, like a big script one where it's like who did it, like who is the killer? Who done it? Yeah, and I think that like when those are really well done, I think it's just like one of the most classic stories. Like a Who Done It is just like so classic, and I think yeah. when they're well, like Knives Out, which was a movie, not a TV show, but like Knives Out was so fun for that reason. You know what I mean? Like the the mystery of it, and it was like so well designed, and like it sort of feel like I just really enjoy that, and I would rather see like especially something like Knives Out where it's like it's it's like not quite realistic because it is so like specific and there's like switcheroos and whatever, but it's like, it's so fun to watch that and like you get that when you allow a writer to write a fictionalized story. That's part of the joy of writing a fictionalized story is it gets to be like believable but also like not realistic in a way that can like make it really fun and it's like, if we're just gonna tell the story of how like an actual person was horribly murdered, it's like innately that's a bummer and it's probably like (laughs) just a less fun story in terms of like the actual narrative, you know what I mean? Yeah, and
1: I feel like it's also like, you don't have to feel as guilty for your guilty pleasure. That's what if it's I'm like not am saying. Actually, a hu- like a real human that that was affected by it. I agree. Yeah. Did you and watch Only Murders in Building? Well, I
0: just also realized it's like we're watching reality show that's fake. Like we're watching reality shows that are fake. Like like oh, like selling some like those are scripted reality shows that pretend to be real but are fake, and then we're watching fake. Shows that are based on true stories. Like we've kind of like yeah. fully inverted how TV works.
1: I think like the line That's between, actually crazy. The line between reality shows and docu-series has become very, really blurred. very blurred. Wait,
0: but okay, or I just watched the pilot of Only Murders in the Building and loved it.
1: It's so good. And, and so and I Oh, I watched it.
0: the second episode too. So I'm gonna keep watching it. I liked I, it.
1: It's I love like that show is so self aware of like what it's doing that I feel like it it kind of embodies exactly what you're talking about.
0: No, and it's like a fun who done it. Like I don't know, yeah. you know, and so I think that's really what. No, really- And like also I don't know like the first season of how to get away with murder was really fun Like I think that there are like versions of it that are yeah,
1: yeah No, it can be it can be really good, but I I don't know I think I'm just in this phase where I really like the the Like actual true crime stuff and but I'm trying not to do as many like murdery ones I'm trying to do the ones that are like weird crimes like
0: (gasps) did you watch the one wait you Rachel?
1: the Rachel divide
0: Is that the one about Rachel Dolezal? Wait, no, I haven't watched that one. Insane. Okay, wait, no, but you should watch the one on, um. I think it's called McMillions. Do you know about this? uh uh-uh. It's about the people who, they played, the, do you remember when in the 90s, the, um, and like the early 2000s, the Monopoly game at McDonald's with the, ta- like the, it would be like the Monopoly pieces you would peel off the front of like the French fry containers and they would oh, get yeah. like prizes. There was like a, there was like a conspiracy that they like, they like gamed that system and like. Won like millions of dollars, like illegally. And there's a documentary about it that's like really good.
1: Wait, that's fun. You should watch it. See, like, that's the kind of shit where it's like, okay.
0: <gasps> and no one got hurt. That's like, I it's actually, like a, those a multi-billion are. a multi billion corporation
1: gets hurt, I don't care.
0: Those are the <laughs> best. like, something like that is really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like that. And like, even just like watching like the Elizabeth Holmes documentary, not that no one got hurt, like, it's a little different. I'm also, but a I'm documentary just, like, I'm is different. Down to a
0: documentary it. is different because you are like kind of showing like this, telling a story of what happened. I guess, like, I don't know. It is, like, that's, it It does all exist in a gray area. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of those things, like, you can see the ones where you're, like, like I, like, I've listened to true crime podcasts, and I'm, like, this is incredible, and I've loved it, and I've listened to one where I was, like, I really think this is actually a fucked up podcast, and I regret listening to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really, I feel like with the true, okay, maybe it's because my attention is, like, I need, I can't just do it from an audio like I can't follow a story sure. like that like just as an audio medium. I respect that. The only mm-hmm. one I did was Serial because like
0: Yeah, because you and, had to. And, uh, you had
1: to. Adnan is free. He's
0: free. I know. I loved that podcast. Serial season 1 was huge for me. Really good. But then like that's one but I think like one that affected literal change like he's now yeah. out of prison. Like that's different. But then I've like I can think of another one I listened to that I like realized I was like, "Oh, this is exploitative and I hate that I listened to this and I would never tell anyone to listen to it." I want to know after. Yeah, I'll tell you after. You're not going to call But it was just episode. like a very it was very fucked up. Mm. Um Yeah, I just think, I don't know, it's interesting. This has nothing to do with going out. Wait, did you go anywhere this weekend? What'd you do? Um, And then we'll, because I have to, I'm going to Rosemary's after this, returning to a restaurant I worked at for years to have lunch with someone. Very, very loaded. We'll see how it goes.
1: I had a birthday.
0: (gasps) Wait, happy birthday. Thank
1: you. Uh, I'm not really a huge birthday person, so like I don't really I I and okay, like, much.
0: Then I'm not offended that I wasn't informed.
1: It's cool. It's cool, yeah. I, I like, you know, I'm really like chilled down to earth totally, totally. like, don't like the attention, whatever. Um, but my parents came into town,
0: oh, cute because
1: they um they don't realize that, like, you know, when you're twenty five, like you don't really need your parents to plan a birthday party for you, but they were like, we want to plan a birthday party for you. So they just did like a really small, like cute little dinner oh, wait, I love that. this really cute restaurant that, um, I'm forgetting the name of right now. Okay, but it was really cute inside, and then we just like had a lot of pasta and wine, and I was very delighted by that.
0: Okay, I adore that.
1: It was kind of perfect, and then I just like had some friends over afterward and like hung out. It was really fun.
0: Gorge, I went to Vinegar Hill House yesterday for <sighs> drinks, and was like, I need to go back for food. I'm obsessed.
1: We had a we had a wine pair party there. Once. Okay, I'm obsessed really with
0: fun. it. Yeah, I went there, and then I went to Hearts for like this pop up that was happening. It was really cool.
1: Where's Hearts? Is that in Williamsburg? It, too? No, it's in Clinton Hill. Okay.
0: And Vinegar Hills in Vinegar Hill. It's not. Oh, duh. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, the Hearts pop up was like amazing. It was so, so, so good.
1: So wait, I've never been there, but I really want to go. We'll go. We'll go. We'll it's go. like
0: the Servos um, Fly Group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's those. Okay, we're gonna let you guys listen to the episode. Incredible guest this week, New York food icon. He is a chef. He is a host. He is so so lovely. He is the founder of Yardi World. This was such a fun conversation. Please enjoy me going out with Devon Francis. Okay. Um, I was so excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. Um, okay, I am tangled. <laughs> One, I was reading. So I was reading your interview mag piece, and um, I was. So impressed with how much I just because of your career and resume, I assumed you were like a little bit older than you are, and I was very impressed that we are the same age. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, I was like, damn, he's doing it. <laughs> I'm doing all, in true Jamaican
2: fashion, I'm doing the most. <laughs> most
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: That you would consider that to be a Jamaican quality. 100. Yeah, it's like multiple families, secret <laughs> families, and multiple jobs is usually what it gives.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, in like, how much has your Jamaican background influenced, like I'm this feels like a stupid question because I feel like it's obvious, but it's like your path in the food and wine industry, in the restaurant industry, and in like in how you've kind of tried to curate and design the experiences in the restaurants and the places you work in and create.
2: How much of the Jamaican history or my heritage influences yeah. it? I would say like all of it, really. Yeah. And I feel like it's a it's a constant journey of finding more ways to include that history and that mm-hmm. heritage. One thing that we always say at Yardy World is, you know, history is precedent. Just because there's precedent doesn't mean that it has to be—it's not the Bible. And so it's not just following the history. It's also being kind of like, well, what does Jamaicanness mean to me? Or what does, like, being a part of the Caribbean diaspora mean to me? Right. When it comes to the things that inspired me originally, though, I would say, like, you know, my my parents, they both immigrated to New York in the 60s and 70s. And so— one of the one of the first jobs my dad had as a... I think he was maybe 13 was like playing basement parties of the brownstones that his dad bought. And Damn. so all these like old Jamaican men who were like, you know, doing their thing would just go down to the basement, like drink a Red Stripe and play Dominoes. And he was in charge of DJing. Was this in Bed-Stuy? This was in Flatbush. Okay. Yeah. And then my mom, when they started dating, because labor, like labor is love in Jamaica. So like if you're not doing something for the grandparents and you're like the worst kid. Okay. (laughs) Um, and so my mom was like, I think like working like the door, like she was a door girl. Um, (laughs) and they, there's like a crazy history and precedent of like parties and events throughout my whole entire life, christenings, birthdays, pool parties, slip and slides, block parties, all the things. Um, and and was this in Virginia? This is all in New York. This oh, okay. is all in New York. So
0: basically I so I was born
2: in Virginia and what would happen is they'd we would like load up the car and be like okay we're going to New York and I'd always be like oh hell no like I cannot believe we're going again like cuz <laughs> first of all I was the youngest of two okay. so I'd always have to sit like in between oh, I was like sandwich in between in that 7-hour car ride <sighs> um, and just like listening to whatever my dad would want us to listen to yeah like I could, there was no britney for me no like there was like no destiny's child which is what i really wanted to listen to was like so it was physically was
0: and to. culturally oppressive to it you was
2: oppressive. <laughs> it was it really was and so when i was able to like do my own thing i was just like blasting like all these other like the music i want to listen to but it was it said in hindsight i really needed that as a foundation to start
0: my business right was so it sounds like there was a an intense focus on like house parties and like Like large group gatherings were like restaurants and spaces like that also part of your upbringing or did that kind of come later? So it
2: came probably like I want to say like maybe around middle school. My dad who was prior to prior to starting his own restaurant was in the Navy. Okay. And originally, actually, he didn't even know he wanted a restaurant. I think the story goes I could be wrong, but he was thinking about taking out like a lease on a strip club. And my mom was like, do you want to end this right now? Or like, what's going on? And he was like, do oh, you okay. think I'm stupid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he landed on this, like, um, it was like a mom and pop kind of vibe. Strip club? Thing. No. Strip club. <laughs> exactly. Mom <laughs> and pop. Strip club. Exactly. I actually would love, would love. <laughs> that would be kind of iconic. Uh, yeah. Honestly, now I think it would have been a better business model than... What they did, what which they was... Did, which was, like, they had, like, a counter-service place. Okay. And it grew... You know, my dad, who also wasn't even a chef. He was kind of okay. like, I really have a passion for food. I really love growing up with my aunties. Because, you know, like, in in lots of immigrant cultures, but, like, in Jamaica, you have your, like, aunties and your grandparents are the ones who take care of you while your parents establish a place for you wherever you're going. Right. And so he didn't even really grow up with his mom and dad. It was, like, his grandma who influenced his palate and his idea of Jamaican cuisine. Right. And so he's taking all those ideas and was like, oh, like these things mean so much to me about like warmth and hospitality. And also like he was DJing from New York until we moved to um, Virginia. And he was like, how do I turn this into a business? And so a restaurant seemed to make the most sense, even though he did not know how to cook.
0: Yeah, I think the best DJs come at it from that mindset as well, though, of hospitality. Like you're setting the tone, you're taking care of the crowd. Like, I think that it is in a weird way tied into like being a chef, being a, running a restaurant, being a manager, whatever it is. It feels like an extension in a weird way. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um... So that was when so restaurants came into your life by way of your parents having one. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: And also I feel like it was also not maybe a, a long conversation. I feel like my dad would like he I remember one day he came home with all these like drawings of like what the name and the logo would be. And first of all, the, the shadiest, most homophobic that I hope you're listening <laughs> thing that he did was he left my so the restaurant's name was Modine's, which is a combination of my brother and my sister's name. Uh-uh. And I was like,
0: what a, what happened there? Like, are
2: you missing something? Like, surely this is a mis- this is a misprint. And he was like, no, just because, you know, when I, I had the idea when they were born, you weren't quite, quite around
0: yet. Shut And I was out. like, this is homophobia <laughs> at its worst. That is so unacceptable. Yeah. I would have, were you a terror for it? Were you, what no. were you? No, <laughs> no, I was so sweet about it. I was like, okay, cool.
2: And because he always, you know, he always promised me, he's like, the next restaurant, it'll be called Devon's Place. And I was like,
0: that's a terrible name. But... I love you still. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to then go into this industry because your family was in it? I actually didn't. I, w- growing up, I um, I always wanted to go to art school and I was always in art
2: programs, um, drawing, painting, all of the things. Um, and not until I moved to New York to go to college and I started working in New York fine dining did I think that, you know, f- think of food as a visual experience that was akin to, you know, walk like going into a Institution, seeing an installation or whatever. Yeah, and that was sort of like the aha, aha moment that I had when it came to um, like kind of thinking about how my creative practice could involve food.
0: Right. Were you working in fine dining concurrently with being in college?
2: Yeah. So basically, when I moved to New York, I my parents were like, "Okay, uh, we don't have money for you, so you're gonna <laughs> have to figure out how to survive." Um, and I was living with my grandparents. The, f- the first place I lived in Flatbush that didn't work out because the curfew was like 6 p.m. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, like cla- you still have classes to yeah, go exactly. to. Exactly. I was like, but I was like, they would lock the door and be like, hello, it's tea? Let me in. <laughs> um, and then I yeah, I just I just uh started working in my my first restaurant was actually um Margabatoli restaurant, um, which was in the uh, West Village or something like that. Um and I was like a coat check boy. Okay. And then I found my way to several other restaurants from there, just from, like, you know, by proxy people. I'm like, my friend needs help at this restaurant. And then yeah. I moved over. Were you always front of house? I was always. Yeah, exactly. I tried to do, I, like, staged in, at Estella when I was in college. And I was like, this is fucking hard. Slash, y'all are insane. Yeah, and that's I, a
0: that's a crazy place to have be you your you first spot.
2: Um, right. um but it, but I learned so much. I learned so much from being there. Like, I met so many crazy celebrities, like, yeah. would come in, and I'd be like, who are you? Like, Devon, you need to pour the water. You,
0: need, you can't just stare at them. You need to actually serve absolutely. them. And I just, like, couldn't wrap my 19-year-old brain around, like, how. I was the same. When I started working in fancy restaurants in New York, I was the same. I couldn't handle the celebrities. I was like, I don't know what you want me to do with that, but I can't go talk to Kathy oh, Bates. absolutely Like, not. I can't go absolutely talk to not. Kathy Bates right now. With,
2: like, a straight f- professional face. Yeah, it was...
0: No. Um, it was it was really wild to go from like such a small because I'm like from Vermont, so it was like really small to go that and then be in New York and be like, oh, this shit just happens here. Yeah, it yeah. was really wild. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But
2: I but I feel like that was like the most formative moments where I was like, oh shit, I could also do my own thing, and that was very much the blueprint for it, like thinking about how it could be this creative venture too um, that I could also make money off of.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's really it, knowing that there's like an art school component to it. Makes a lot of sense because I, I was like, I, when I've looked at Yardi world and I've looked at this, your social stuff, I'm like, this is so unique. Like the way you kind of approach it, it's not like it doesn't, because like there's pop-ups all over and there's, I don't know, there's something about it where I was like, this doesn't feel, I don't know how to word this without sounding anti-pop-up because I'm not anti-pop-up, but there's some, okay.
2: <laughs> Wait, can you talk on that? <laughs> I just, they don't make, you don't make money off of it. Well, it's just yeah. like not a same, like restaurants themselves are not sustainable models unless you like have the volume which is why people like start restaurant groups um yeah. and then pop-ups are just you know you, you don't really make a return it's like a maybe it's like a great marketing thing which i think is true and Anyone who's asked me to do a pop up in, in the past like year, I'm so sorry. I totally will still do the pop up. I'm just letting you know <laughs> it's not a money
0: venture. Do you know what I mean? No, and it is like it kind of like it's one of those things where it's like the more we do them and the more we institutionalize them as a thing that's done, the more we set this precedent that like to get in, you have to do these things that you don't make money on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. And that's exactly. fucked.
2: And it, in it, you know why that is even worse for someone from my background, my interest is there's already a negative connotation around what we would call like ethnic food. Right. And so when I want to compete with a top tier fine dining restaurant or, or whatever, or, you know, kind of advocate for the ingredients and the sourcing and the ways that I want to, it's confusing. Cause it's like, well, it's a pop up and it's food and I could, I could have ordered caviar.
0: So why am I, why would I, you know, pay a fair totally. wage to the people that are working? Yeah. It's funny. I've never, that hasn't come up on the podcast yet, but I do think it's, So true. So like the first, the first restaurant I worked at when I moved to New York was Italian. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing was that it was, and it was fine dining. It was expensive. It was bougie celebrities. And their whole thing was like, they really prided themselves on that. Their menu focused on like the Roman peasant food from the Roman empire. And like, Mm -hmm. this is what the poor people ate. And it's amazing because they had to do the most with the least. And it's Mm like, but the pasta was still like $30. And it's like, I was thinking like, you could only do this with Italian food because if you tried to do this with like Jamaican food, if you tried to do this with these foods that like are like considered to be like kind of cheaper options, but then elevated them to like a fine dining experience, people would be like, I could just get the cheap version. Why is this? I was like, this is so specific to like, you could only do this with like Italian food or like maybe Greek food, I feel like, because of like the con... Racism probably mostly <laughs> is why yeah, Absolutely, One of the isms always like, There are multiple isms at yeah. the same time <laughs> But I think it's like I'm I'm tired of expensive Italian I went to Anton's last night so I'm fully in, uh, I'm fully <laughs> a hypocrite But I'm like I just think it's like kind of crazy That we're like it's, it's interesting to me That restaurants like a restaurant like Anton's mm-hmm. That was great but it's like What the 257,000th Fancy Italian restaurant can mm. still Be successful but for a restaurant that's doing a different cuisine, I feel like it is a harder in, especially to that tier that you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just, I mean, the more I work and the more I have to, like, manage my own contracts and the more I think, like, I also work for Bon Appetit and I feel like I've learned a lot about, like, even just, like, the commercial media space of just how people, like, the politics around how people want to spend money and why. Um, Yeah. And it's interesting because it kind of does, like, if I'm being completely honest, make me, like, Less excited to like, like, uh, labor over cooking, which is this makes me sad.
0: That is sad. Can you know what, you mean? what what well, makes you less
2: excited? I the the amount of work and time I have to put into doing, let's say, event, and the return off of that is very different than like you know having a two day shoot for a branded ad or something like that. And so I think that what I'm trying to also like teach myself is like how to also like leverage these experiences, and interactions to advocate for the type of resourcing that I feel like uh, immigrant communities or um, you know disenfranchised populations kind of need. Um, because I think that it's it's like a voc- it's like a it's like there's a gap in understanding from what we consider fine dining, what we don't, but there but the labor behind it is basically identical.
0: The
2: same. You know what I mean? Yes, and so. I don't know. And and I think also, too, like, from a... I mean, you, you understand social media better than most people, probably. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the metrics really do drive people to be like, hey, like, we want to work. We want to yes, work. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? And I'm not doing anything different than I, I was necessarily a few years. It's just, it's just the visibility and the proxy to um, having an
0: audience that I think yeah. makes it different, which, I don't know, it's dark. It's dark because it does, like, lose... I guess, like, my equivalent of it as a comedian would be, like, doing internet content versus doing, like, a live show. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I guess, would be the comparison between doing, like, branded deals and doing a restaurant, right? Where it's, like, I I know how Instagram and TikTok work. And I could make a video. Like, this sounds arrogant, but it's true. I could make a video right now that I know would get, like, minimum 100,000 views. Mm-hmm. Like, I know would I think it's funny and what I would necessarily be proud of it. No. But right. I, like, know what works in terms of, like, especially... I think what you kind of just said, once you have your own following, Mm -hmm. I know what the algorithm likes for me to do to like show that following XYZ. So then I can do that. And, hit all these benchmarks and then I'll make, and then I'll get a certain number of views. And then, yeah, if I do that for a few weeks, a brand will probably reach out and want to do a deal. And then I'll do that. And I probably also oftentimes will like have an idea that I'm like, oh, I'd be proud of this if this went out. And then there's six rounds of notes that come back and I end up posting this Frankenstein ad that I'm like, God, I hope no one sees this, (laughs) but it pays my rent. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, there's a difference between doing that and doing a live show where there are la a restaurant there are intrinsic variables, which are what make right. it exciting yeah. and make it fun and what make it fulfilling when it works, because right. there is like a magic to it For of sure. like, but at the same time, I don't have the capital to be doing that Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely. I wish I could live off of live shows and yeah. I hope to one day that and like maybe other kinds of work, but it's like, even still, it is just like, it's a weird, the social media is a weird demon to play it's with. Weird. It's weird.
2: It's, weird. um, I mean, it's, it's been weird. And I think also going back to your point, we don't have to labor of this but like um i think it really to answer a question like my priorities have just shifted because now yeah. i'm kind of like okay i need to hit sort of like a specific volume in order for me to go back and do the work that makes me feel like i can just be passionate about it and not butthurt that i'm not like making a ton of money off of it because ultimately i, I do want to cook for people and i do want to share those things yeah but those the avenues change with the metrics obviously right yes like, and i think that like I could I could sit around and be frustrated by it or I can just be like, OK, this is what I know I need to do. This is what I'm building and this is what I'm building towards. And just like let that be that.
0: And I really respect that because I do think this has come up on the show before. But I think that there was especially when like, when, like eight years ago when I first moved to New York and was like working in restaurants, I feel like there was sort of this. How do I word this? celebration around the notion that you're not in it for the money <laughs> or that like, or, and it was like, a, mm-hmm. it was kind of taboo to acknowledge like the the money issues. Like it was just like accepted, like backup house doesn't get paid enough. It was just accepted for that sure. like in a smaller restaurant, the owners are losing money every single day. Like those were all just like accepted things. And it was sort of like, if you acknowledge those publicly, then you're not doing it for like the love of the game. And it's just fucked up because right. it, all it does is it perpetuates The restaurant groups being the only people that can, and you know, people that already have like insane amounts of capital to like create restaurants. And I think it's good that you're saying like, I want to do this, but I, and I am passionate about it and I'm allowed to say that I also want to make money doing it. No, absolutely. And that doesn't negate my passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that that's like, honestly, like a newer thing that is like allowed to be said in this space. I feel.
2: Yeah. And also because of the internet, you know? Yes. Which I'm kind of like, oh, I guess it comes full circle in that way, too.
0: Yeah, because it is, I mean, it is like a full double-edged sword. Yeah. Where it's like, there are great... Th- I mean, I wouldn't be in this room talking... Like, I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for the internet. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, it can be hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What... How... What... I don't know this. How did your... How did the internet come up for you in terms of your career? Was it via getting onto Bon Appetit? Like, when did the internet become like kind of a main focal point of like what was happening?
2: Well, I think it was. I think it was a mix of different things. I think that like because I was working in restaurants, and because those restaurants were were, were being covered by popular media outlets, yeah. then I was able to um, have proximity or become friends with people who were working in those outlets. And so, even before. I was even thinking about, you know, Instagram or whatever as a thing. Um, you know, I had worked in the test kitchen at Bon Appetit because right. I had friends who were there. And I um, was just like made it a point to like talk to people. And I think that that's also the thing about it. It's like I there's so many people who are very talented but don't have social skills. And I think that waiting table, <laughs> but you know what I mean. No, I'm a comedian. I know what you mean. Holy shit, I know what you mean. And it's and it's kind of jarring. It's like it's I feel really like really jarring. You have these people who like have these big personas and whatever, and you see them from a screen, and then you get in person, and it's like, oh my god, like what, what happened to you? Are you okay? Yeah,
0: I always say that there's two kinds of performers, and I think this is true of like comedians, and this is probably true of food personalities. Mm-hmm. There are the people who are kind of generally, like, affable people pe- people, people in their life and, like, are almost, like, naturally performative in the way they kind of, like, host and emote and communicate yeah. and then they just have to figure out how to, like, do like do that on stage authentically or do that in front of the camera authentically. Yeah. And then there are these people who have... are awkward and weird and don't have social interact or don't have, like, the best social skills, but they're hyper-analytical. And so then they have figured out, I can figure out how to do X, Y, and Z in front of the camera in- because on stage or in front of camera is a hyper controlled environment where there aren't as many variables Mm -hmm. and they're like, I can perform normal human affability and likability in this context very well. And they do. And then they come off stage and you're like, what are you? And it's like those, and I like, it's just crazy to see. And like the higher up you go, the more I think intense it is you see, because like people, especially those hyper analytical types, they do fucking well because from the jump, it's not, none of it is, um, none of it is unplanned or un, undesigned because it was yeah. so like curated from the jump. 100%. 100%. They and just, I think they scare me. I'm going to be honest.
2: I, I'm, <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm also like kind of envious.
0: I'm envious. I mean, I'm envious. I think they scare me because I'm envious. Like,
2: I, I feel like I, I also grew up in an environment where I feel like I was never, mm, let me not say that. I wasn't actually always encouraged to like take the center stage and so like sure. working for a place like Bon Appetit, or just like even the uh, Instagram or social media in general is like it's kind of a learning curve for me because I'm I like I think firmly in between I guess we both are firmly between the generations of like when people like picked up the phone and had conversations yes. and then people who send messages all the time yes. um, and so I feel like I'm always undulating between both things and also too uh, like before I even started working for Bon App um, I I Was mostly behind the scenes because I was like, I was like producing. I was like making events happen. I was cooking and writing schedules and receiving orders and deliveries. And you know, I, you know, until someone was like, You're kind of cute. Why aren't you like in front of the camera? I was like, I am. I was like, Okay, let me try it out if you think I'm cute. Um, And so I've had to kind of like really learn in, I think, a lot of ways how to like uh, dial up the persona or like be like emotive in ways that I, that don't actually come. Very easily to me all the time. I should say you
0: know? that sounds nice because that sounds like maybe that also is maybe then working backwards to help you like a in your own life, if you right of, yeah. which is lovely. Yeah. So outside of moving away from like the work side of going out yeah. and the work side of restaurants, like how do you like to go out? How do you like to play? Like oh my god, I go, I go out a lot. Same. I go out
2: to so all the things. Um, I'm really blessed and grateful to have so many friends who uh, work in nightlife. Yeah. Um, If poppy juice wasn't a thing, I probably wouldn't have survived New York (laughs) as long as I have to have a space where, like, queer, black, and brown people can just, like, throw their asses in a circle and, like... What stay out until the sun comes
0: up. I was going to what was the last poppy juice two weeks ago? Like the Pride Poppy Juice. The Pride Poppy Juice, yeah. I went to, I think it's called Honey's, the cocktail bar. Yeah. yeah. That was like behind where Poppy Juice yeah. was. And so I walked by the Poppy Juice line and I was like, the poppy juice line looks more fun <laughs> than other parties I've been to. Like also it was the biggest line I've ever. It was like, it was like six people wide and like all the way down and around a block. 100%. I was like I was like, What's inside? Like how many people are inside? I couldn't believe how big the line was, but I was like, that looks like a sick party.
2: Z Way played that night too. That's Speaking of comedians. Yeah. Amazing. I was I mean, that that party is so formative to me because cause literally, I mean I've heard it's like
0: just the fucking best.
2: It's the best. I mean, they they have such a good uh curatorial eye and ear. And just going back to this idea of like shaping like space with sounds, I feel like it's interesting too, because I feel like I, not only do I go out in New York, I feel like I, I have now started to travel and go out. And I was at a, uh, like, rave in the woods.
0: We love. And,
2: and someone from, I think they were from Chicago, came up to me and my friend because we were talking so much shit on the party. Because we were like, we're from New York. Like, what is going on? Like, we're we all the things. We're all, all the things. Where are my things? And and he was like, y'all need to cool it like you don't understand people from all over the nation are coming to this space who don't get to be gay and open and loud and queer like express themselves in so many different ways you're being elitist. And I was like, we are being elitist. This is true. And I've, I felt like, so I like sank inside of myself, but, but it's true. It's like, I take time, a lot for granted. So much for granted. Yeah. And I think that like, uh, and obviously New York is not the perfect space. No, no at all. There's so much work to do, but I feel like I've learned so much from just like those interactions because that is for so many, in so many ways, the only opportunity that some people are going to get to like be themselves or to meet people that are also queer. And I, yeah. and I, do you often forget that being in
0: New York. Yeah, it is crazy to think back, like when I lived in Burlington, which is where I was before New York, we had one gay night at a place that was not in walking distance from downtown. You had to take cars there once a month. Like that was it. Wow. And then there was like bars that were like, I would say by curious. And like, that was it. <laughs> like that was it. And so it's crazy to like some, I do, I feel like similar, like I take for granted how much, and that's just like, and that's not even factoring in like the whole, like like something like poppy juice that is not just about queerness, but is also about people of color. Like that's like a whole nother level of like people don't get that in, and outside of like what, like New York, Chicago, LA, Absolutely, San Francisco, maybe like it's, it is like we are, I feel like it's like, especially as like whatever's happening is happening. We need to like vitriolically defend those spaces and those parties and stuff. Absolutely,
2: And only, I think it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but up until recently, I guess cabaret laws or whatever. Um, yeah. Under, who,
0: Bloomberg? I don't Giuliani? Know. Giuliani, yeah. That feels like a Giuliani thing.
2: Let's just say it is because he's not <laughs> around right now, right? I know, right? Um, I feel like it. it's, it, the, I feel like that's also just a space where, like, thinking about my own events or thinking about how I think about hospitality, it's like the radicality, if I can say that, and if that's an actual word, I'll look it up after. If not, we make it work.
0: Exactly. Um, because queerness is always inventing new yes. ways of being. <laughs> Also, the idea that a word like a word with meaning isn't a proper word is elitist in general. Period. Thank you. Yeah. Um, But basically, like knowing that like joy
2: and celebrating is just as important as protesting on the streets, and I think that that like means a lot to me to see those things enacted and embodied in people
0: around me, and seeing them because that was like I don't know like. Yeah, and it's like when one is happening, the other is happening. You can feel, you know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. Parties feel different when there's protests going absolutely. on, 100%. What was, wait, remind me, I remember reading about cabaret laws because someone was explaining like this is why sh- dancing is better in Chicago than New York was like specifically because of cabaret laws. Mm-hmm. Do you? What are were they? I have no idea. Okay, great. I couldn't tell you right now. It had to do with, <clears throat> I think it had to do with like, spa- it doesn't matter. It, there was It was a reason why dance parties sucked and they recently lifted yeah. them.
2: Well, I think, I think there's like, I mean, I could be wrong. I have lots of great friends who have studied and like protested against <laughs> this and, and like tried to change the, the legality of it. Um, something about like, you can't do, you can't be on a table dancing past this time and like yeah. it can't be this loud and you can't have this type of like sound equipment in this space.
0: Yeah. Um, you can't have fun basically is what it was.
2: And also, you know what's you know, also interesting to think about like the kind of tenor of New York in 2019 versus like now and like, I mean, things just New York is such uh, such a real estate minded space, and this goes back to like this idea of restaurant culture too, right? It's like there is a specific amount of capital that you need to be able to be like, I own this space, I yeah, I, I can do X, Y, and Z thing with yeah. this space, and I think that it's like awful because it, there's like this like familyization of New York when queer dynamics don't necessarily always. Um, align with, you know, having like, a, you know, uh, the money to like have a really fab apartment and also have like a nuclear family that like makes uh, six figures and all these yeah. things. And so the landscape when rent goes up really does shift and change. And it means that the parties change too. It means that the, the, the cover charge you have to pay it in order for those spaces to make money changes too, you know.
0: That is like, <clears throat> that's, it is like the balance of creating parties and nightlife spaces And, honestly, restaurants that are accepting but lucrative is, like, it feels almost impossible at times. And that is, like, it's—I don't know. I I do think that's, like, uh, something to really be, like, pushed and strive for. But it's going to take a lot of—I mean, I just think it takes a lot of—like, it takes one a different, especially in restaurants. I think it takes a different perception of how restaurants work, but also I think it's like larger societal issues that then have to be fixed to make those things more equi- equitable. Yeah. Are you so? Are you when you're going out more nightlife focused than like going out to like a restaurant or a bar, or both? Is both. The bank account is hurting. <laughs> I mean, same, babe. The bank account is just.
2: <laughs> but it's like I'm like oh, it's research. And my bookkeeper's like, you tried it. This is. <laughs> They're like, Dover Street, market is research. And I'm like, yeah. I gotta oh, get
0: I check. don't, yeah, don't, let, well, let's not talk about write-offs because the IRS does not need to know my name. Like, um, I don't yeah. want that. Okay. <laughs> Actually, <right>. like, <laughs> like, let's not talk about, not myself. let's just not talk about that right now. <laughs> yeah.
2: I always, it's funny too, because my mom is always like, she's always, my mom know she like knows her child so much. She's, I'm like, she's like, are you saving money? I'm like, yeah, and she's like, "Okay, well, what did, what did you do this week?" And I'm like, "Well, there was like Lodi, there was um EMP, uh two parties last night, Uber. Oh god, the Ubers back and forth cuz you know I'm not going to walk there." No. I got a text while I'm, I'm going to make well, sure I'm that pro walking, are okay. but I get
0: it. Well, where I go, you're not going to walk. Sure. Where do you what, like in tr- like what, like a warehouse party moment? Yeah. Okay, respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get what you're saying. I love a long walk. I'm weird. Really? Like, yeah. That's not weird. Like the other night I got, like I live in Bedside. the other night I got off the F at J. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was like kind of late and I was like, I'm just going to walk. That the, It was like the A was 10 minutes and I was like, I'd rather walk 50 minutes than wait 10. Yeah. And I don't know why that is, but like, yeah. I get, and that's like not that far of a walk, but it's a walk. Does it do something for your brain? Do you feel like you like get into the zone more when you walk? Yeah, I'm like, especially if like I've been out and like I'm not like I'm and I've like had a few drinks and it's like the night's over and I'm feeling a little amped because like I was out. Yeah, it's like let me buy a big bottle of water and like walk and by the time I get home I'll just like probably need to pee because I drank like a giant Essentia <laughs> and then like go to bed. Like it's a little bit more of, like yeah, a dismount for me than better, like better. being on the train like doing like a come down. It's a little bit of a come down yeah. from like the energy of like going being out like with a bunch of people. For sure, I think for me is like, usually I'm wearing like some really like.
2: The shoe that I should not be wearing and okay. I'm like dancing on my feet the whole time so that I, the, I the <laughs> There's ability a medical to walk, impairment Exactly
0: <laughs> Exactly I actually can't do it <laughs> I respect that what are the wait okay, let's talk restaurants and bars like where are your spots that you like
2: Um, <clears throat> Where have I been eating recently Um, mm, I've been go Let's see the nines uh, there's a place next
0: to my apartment what's sorry the <laughs> the, la- the episode recorded
2: <laughs> what
0: the episode we recorded yesterday, our guest was talking about how growing up his favorite restaurant was The 99, and they called it The Nines. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what's The Nines? The Nines is—the 9s
2: is—okay, speaking of going up, The Nines is—well, this is not the same. Thing. No, I know. Okay. Um, I'm like, this is—that is not where I go. Uh, Acme, Acne, the restaurant—the basement that was also a party when I was in college, there's a restaurant right above it. And so the same people who do, like— La Dive. Okay, this is next to Servos. Yes, yes, yes. Do the nines, and so Orange. and obviously, Servos definitely always. Um, anything like Hearts, Hearts, Servos, the fly. I know all my fucking the best. I was shit. at Hearts like
0: three nights ago. It was so good.
2: I fucking love Hearts. I
0: fucking love Hearts.
2: <laughs> I fucking love Hearts. Um, and then where else I'm going? Uh, uh I have been trying to scope out more like um. Hotel restaurants because I feel like there's all no matter what time of day or like what day of the week it is You can always find a table at a hotel. I shouldn't be telling my secret, but
0: no. Yeah, it's hotels Let me just say this hotels are really useful in a lot of ways in New York City Number one if you need a bathroom hundred percent, let me tell you right now find the nicest bath ni- Find the nicest hotel in near you and go 100%. just use their bathroom 100%. I the greatest I keep on almost saying this as a joke and it's inappropriate. One of the greatest losses we've experienced recently, personally for me, is the Gramercy Park Hotel because of their bathrooms. Oh, really? I lived for their bathrooms, obsessed with the, G- the Gramercy Park. I never Park. knew.
2: I've <sighs> never been there.
0: I used to work near there. The bathrooms in the back of the lobby. Like, first off, it was just, like, the whole room was, like, filled with lilabo. Li- 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 like, mm-hmm. there was, like, it was just gorgeous and sexy. There was a real fi- wood fire going. And then you just walked to the back, and it was these giant bathrooms that were, like, private rooms mm-hmm. with a gold sink. And, like, if you went at the right time, the, the toilet papers were stickered with the GPH Ooh, sticker. And I was just, like, yeah. let's do this. I'm taking calls. Like, Absolutely. I'm in there. Like I'm You're holding in. court in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm taking meetings. I'm having calls. I'm in there for a minute. <laughs> I loved the GPH bathroom. Um, it's one of, I miss it dearly.
2: Yeah. But, I, but yeah, hotel,
0: but hotel bars, similarly a hotel bar, or a hotel restaurant is a move.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, cause they always have a table open. So if I'm in a pinch, if I have like a really fat person coming to town or like if mom's in town or, you know, whatever, I'm trying to like entertain someone and, and I am last minute because I forgot to make the revelation that I actually wanted. Yeah. Um, the restaurant hotel is definitely, or the hotel restaurant is definitely the move.
0: Yeah. There's that new one on dime square that I want I've heard is, Nine Orchard. Nine Orchard, thank Uh, you. Have you been yet?
2: Also Estella. Okay.
0: Oh, fun. I walked in and then
2: I had to go because I forgot something at my house. Okay. It's not an interesting
0: story. (laughs) If you want to know more about my nature, that's basically what happened. But it's beautiful. It looked, yeah. I've heard, and I saw a picture of the martini service and I was like, I do want that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I also like, you know, like, I feel like, um, you know, Bemelman's. Yes. Of course. I think everyone's like, um, The I want to feel like that every time I go out to eat for some reason recently. Like, I want to feel
0: like- New York opulence?
2: New York opulence and also like, I want to hear like live music. I want to hear like the piano person being like whatever, playing Chopin or-
0: Because it's like, you want to be in the rooms where it's like, it's all happening in here. Like the music's playing in here, the people are here, the server. Yeah,
2: I get that. Absolutely.
0: Also, I love to see the, Never mind. I don't know if I can say this
2: on <laughs> podcast, but I also loved, I feel like this, it's great for people watching because there's also all those, like the the escorts come with like the business guys and you're just like, what is going
0: on? Oh, I mean the dynamics of, ho- well, that's because, okay, so I bartended in a hotel for, okay. a, for like a little under a year and I wasn't, I took the job because I was like needing to get out of the restaurant I was in and like, I knew a guy who worked there and he was like, they need a bartender. You should take it. And I was like, all right, I got to go. And, like, it never occurred to me, like, hey, what do you think it looks like if you bartend in a bar where everyone has a bed upstairs? Salacious. So- Wedding rings coming off. off. Like I was seeing some shit. It was. Like, I was seeing staff of the hotel, like higher up corporate people of the hotel, cheating on their wives and husbands in the hotel just, bar.
2: Just like right in front of you.
0: At sitting at the bar in front of me, I was like, "This is not okay." Like it was wild. Like yeah. people go off and it's the people watching in any sort of hotel adjacent bar restaurant. Hundred percent. It's top tier. And growing up, Pretty Woman was like one of my favorite.
2: Movies Iconic. So I always was like Oh maybe I'll have my mom And then I got there And I was like Oh this is not That's not what I That's that not, not Richard Gere, Gere. It's not, that is not Richard <laughs> Decidedly Gear. not Richard Gere um, And so then the fantasy was crushed But I still like to go Because the martini service is fab
0: Yeah The martini yeah. service Yeah So Yeah I do love I'm, I, I'm in a similar place right now and similar, the bank account's hurting. I want fancy, yeah. I want fancy,
2: and I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's be, maybe it's from wanting to like get dressed up and like feel like you're in a fantasy and be distracted by all the other bullshit that's happening in the world. And I think that restaurants. Um, and it's funny because I feel like when I was in college, I was so vehemently against that being like we shouldn't be distracted. We should be like in it and on the streets and doing the things and like on my activist shit, um, <laughs> which I still am, but it's just the, the priorities have changed. Where I'm just like, you know what? Actually like people should be able to like be decadent and treat themselves and th- they shouldn't be.
0: You can be active without martyring yourself for e- exactly, it. Exactly, like, Yeah. exactly. I think also part of it for me, w- in terms of like the shift in, cause I used to be like, let's go to a dive bar. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, let's go to a dive bar. Let's go to like a cheap restaurant. And like, I'm still down for that. But I think now that I don't work in a fancy restaurant, and I'm not like experiencing because I was like working in fancy restaurants. So I was seeing the fancy shit and in the fancy shit and seeing the behind the scenes of the fancy shit all the time. Yeah. Now it's been long enough that I'm like, I want the fancy shit. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Like I I'm a little bit and I hate it about myself that I'm allowed to I've I'm fully letting myself fall for the fantasy now. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I've also been revisiting Oscar Wilde's writing and just like his ability to be descriptive is so iconic. And I yeah. feel like I always forget that like queerness is decadence is being radical and is, that is being beautiful. political too, and I and I have to and I feel like I don't give myself that ability and often enough to be like actually like I'm gonna get fucking dressed up and be like just gay, just like as gay as possible.
0: Yes, see, this is dangerous for me because if you tell me that drinking a martini at a fancy restaurant is a radical <laughs> act, it's not going to be good for me Or will it be great for everyone? No, it'll be great. You're right. This You're- what I mean. <laughs> It's just like, it is true though. Like it is like that thing of like, I, especially like right now when things feel so hard. I'm like, I'm going like, I'll do the things I need to do, and then I want to do the things I want to do. Yeah, Hard, absolutely. Absolutely. hard, yeah. What um, what was it like? Like, so you've been here since college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. So what was the the movement like from? What was it like when you first got here with nightlife? Like.
2: Um, well, it was a little, it was giving. I had my brother's fake ID, first and foremost. <laughs> um, and I actually, ooh, I have, uh, <laughs> I met someone on an app when I was in college that kind of like
0: Christian Mingle. Uh,
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just a beautiful, like a really devout uh, Protestant
0: girl <laughs> coming
2: to New York, <laughs> eyes wide open. Um, and I met someone who like basically like, showed me around nightlife. And I actually, you know, what happened first is I I met so many door people mm-hmm. that it didn't even matter if I did or did not have my um i my ID, which I probably anyway. We won't get into the. Please don't shut down any clubs I mean, because of this <laughs> podcast. There's got to be a statute of limitation on. Fake IDs. I think we're good, but this goes back to this idea of like conversation. It's like because I always prioritize asking people how they're doing, how they're feeling and that sort of like hospitable generousness, I just like became, I like feel like I can befriend anyone. And I feel like, you know, sometimes now, because I have all these friends who are like, you're on the list, you're on the list. It's like, you don't stop talking to the door person. In fact, you better be best
0: fucking friends with the door person because they will. Yeah, why would you not though, is the thing. Because people feel entitled. Yeah, no, yeah.
2: I think I think it's so when you this is this is kind of like the oppositional thing of like that decadent martini. It's like when you feel like everything is centered around you, you, you forget to think about other people's experiences. And it's I it's funny because not to get like dark, but we might have to for like two seconds. It's fine. Uh, you know, when the night of pride, there was a shooting in Norway, Denmark at at like a gay club or club. Yes, park. yes.
0: I th- um <clears throat> I think it was in Norway. I think it was Norway too. Okay. But- Katie, can you look it up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um but anyway, the point being is like, you know, when I go out, I'm, I'm I'm of two minds. Like I'm there, to, I'm there for myself to have a great time, but I'm also always constantly watching my friends. Oslo, Oslo, which is in Norway, Norway. Okay, great. I was like, I was like, so is that still Norway? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. But back. Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, when I go out, I'm of two minds. I am there to have fun and to celebrate myself and to like, as I said before, throw my ass in a circle. Yeah. But I'm also there to, like, check in with my friends and to see how they're doing because, you know, there is literally a mental health crisis going on. Yes. Constantly all the time in the streets of New York out here. Uh, health care is fucked. Um, any rights around bodies right now are fucked. Yeah. And you never, like, you never know what headspace other people are going into when you step into a space like that. So some, so... Me, I can like, I can drink and do all the things and still feel great after the end of the day. But some people don't have that same sort of like countenance. They don't have the same sort of like th- the knowledge of themselves to be like, am I going to be okay or what my limit is? Yeah, 100%. You know? It's funny
0: that you say that because I think I was like talking to one of my gay friends recently and he was just like, I'm so annoyed at how, much, how popular drugs are getting. I feel like everyone's doing drugs and it's like, they're doing drugs for a reason. Yeah, like 100%. they're fucking going through a tough time. 100%. Like, no, it's like, that's like the thing. It's like, that's what I don't think. And it's interesting, so like, to give you context, because I, so I was not involved in nightlife at all because I was working so much in restaurants. Mm -hmm. I was just like constantly working until one. Mm -hmm. And so, and I wish I was the girl who could have been like, all right, and now I I go, but like, it just, that's not my spirit or my soul. Yeah, Um, That it's just, so now that when I stopped doing restaurants like last year, I started like doing the night, like figuring fine being like finally I want to like experience especially like, queer nightlife spaces and like kind of learning the ropes and figuring out like where the places are and I think what you just said articulated something I've been trying to articulate and figure out like delineate which is like the spaces that feel like communal where it is people coming to check in people are talking to the person at the door people are going inside and seeing the people they know and the places that feel like just an extension of like what's happening right now on the sidewalk on Fifth Avenue, of just like a bunch of people running around trying to like get to the next spot and see what's going on. Yeah. And there's been, like, I don't want to name any parties because I don't want to like disparage anything, but there's been parties I've been to and I'm like, is anyone having fun here? Mm. Or is it just like we're here? Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the places where I've walked in and been like, damn, and like I feel like that's how Poppy Juice gets described a lot to me, is like it has this very communal aspect to it. And like yeah. there are other parties I've been to where it really feels that way. Like there's this party I'm I've been really loving. Called Hot for You, that's happening at Parkside Lounge on Sundays. It's it's like a disco party um, in like the back room of Parkside Lounge. It's small, it's cute as hell. I love it. Yeah. But it's like when you go, like the hosts come up and they're like, hey, you're here again. Yeah. Like, welcome. And like I see the same people and we say hi and I feel like I'm getting to know them each more every time. That's the kind of party I want to go to. Yeah, I I'm don't want to go to like the faceless, like, it's just not my scene. But For I think sure. what you're talking about is, like, that communal check-in. Yeah, you're getting absolutely. something out. there. That's, like, the value of it. And
2: my favorite part is at the end of the night, depending on the party at the night, they always get on the mic, and they're always, like, make sure that if you're traveling alone, you ask a friend if you need to ride home or if you need to call you an Uber. Like, we can make sure that you have, like, some sort of, like, accountability outside of just yourself because it's it's also like like think about the come down from a space like that to be like oh i'm going back to my reality you know no i feel like some people can deal with it but some people can't and so i I really do as you're saying appreciate spaces that do take the time
0: to point those things out it's also i feel like another thing that what you're kind of talking on is like (laughs) like celebrating the sacredness of like partying and like maybe getting a little fucked up or like maybe like getting, going in on it yeah. and not like towing around that part of it and being no. like, we're acknowledging that you're getting fucked up and God bless it. And we're going to make sure it's, you're safe. Yeah,
2: absolutely. absolutely.
0: And I think that's really special. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so much, especially like, I don't know, I'm from New England. So there's a lot of like Catholic shame around getting fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. so it's like, they just don't talk about it. But yeah. then it's like, that's what leads to like doing it. So it's like, no, like we're going to do it. We're going to go, but you're going to keep you safe. For sure. I think is really special.
2: For sure. And I think that also like, not to be all like new agey about it, but I do feel I the new like age. you, there's, you are unlocking like parts of yourself that otherwise throughout your like normal daily reality that maybe you don't have access to. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, all my i have several friends who are like doing ketamine therapy right yeah. now and i'm like that's fu- that's fucking cool like yeah
0: i actually have some friends who it's i actually know someone who's been doing it for a few years mm-hmm. and it like really really helps them yeah severely helps them yeah. like i think a lot of those things have those i talked to this guy once who was like running a study on they were using mushrooms to treat depression and like mm. terminal cancer patients, mm. and I think I ruined his night because I was like, "No, we are going to talk for three hours." I find this fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "You know, I came out to not talk about work," and I was like, "No, you're going. I need <laughs> to keep talking." Like, I just found it so interesting. But it's like, I think that you're right. It's like they do. It is, especially if we're trying to like you know, reach new levels of like community and connection and release. Yeah. They help
2: absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Have you seen that documentary, uh, Fantastic Fungi?
0: I think I saw a clip from it. The one about shrooms. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think. Don't tell me. No, my, I think honestly, it's just like, I'm like, I don't need to get sold anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. Like, I love them. Like, I'm not afraid. But it's just like the things
2: that the way that they talk about, like, um, I mean, mushrooms are, uh, what is it? The, the, what's the word?
0: Psilocybin. What is it called? Did I say that right? Psilocybin, psychosybin
2: <laughs> But what is the n-
0: Psilocybin? What? Psilocybin Yeah, hallucinogens
2: Did we talk about the network of mushrooms that live underground That basically have help plants to communicate with each other? Is insane
0: No, it's like, the more I read about mushrooms I'm like, we live on the planet from Avatar Like, this is Avatar we oh, 100% like- <laughs> And,
2: we're all, and the, the thing about it, that too, which like pisses me off I'm just like, we're gonna lose Avatar now Because y'all no. wanted to, like I don't know. Some there was another priority that I was included on.
0: It's like really mu- fungus like did you know that like one spore of mushroom can grow like one million pounds of mushroom? Yes. That's fucked up yeah. in a good way. No,
2: for sure. And if you think about it, even like from like a from like a um hunger standpoint. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like there are so many opportunities. Also, if I can shout out, um have you read um Breeding Sweetgrass I feel like this is like No Robin Rose Kimmerer Okay um, uh, It's an incredible book Just talking about like um, Mushrooms But also gifting economies And just like How like just how we like Do life as people And how we How we think about All these like um, All this indigenous Indigenous knowledge That we're like Oh that's not real But now science is like Proving Quote unquote Proving to oh, be yeah. true And it's It's just like It's crazy to me Because I'm just like all everything we need is like right right here like with us, and yet yeah, we always like it's like giving capitalism, we always want more always <laughs> it's so bad, like you know so. I don't know what my point was of that, but no, I mean, I think with a lot
0: of these conversations, it comes back to capitalism, and then the conversation just like quickly withers <laughs> and dies because it's like we can't do anything. Moment of silence <laughs> for the last brain cells that just dissipated because yeah. we said the word capitalism, and we're like, oh god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It was so nice. It, it was so nice, like two years ago, where you could like blame things on capitalism, and it was like new. <laughs> and now we're like, shut the fuck up. No, we know. know. I'm like, don't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, sorry, babe. No. Um. Okay. We've come to the end. This went by in two seconds. Oh, my God. Um, I like to end by planning a night out together. Ooh, if okay. you will have a night out. Yeah, let's
2: do let's it. Let's do it.
0: Okay, what are we thinking? Um, should we go to the Parkside
2: Lounge? The po- the hop- Well, what kind of going out do you want to do is my question because
0: I'm like, we can go on an adventure. Uh, well, I love an adventure. We haven't planned. Let's- What's an adventure? I'd- I feel like... You having been doing like real nightlife for 10 years in New York, I feel like I want to follow your okay. path.
2: Let's go to something that feels like a really decadent restaurant. Yeah. And then let's go to something that's like
0: a late night thing. Okay. Perfect. Where clear your calendar for like two days. <laughs> okay. You're going to need to. Okay. Perfect. We'll clear our calendar. For ju- let's do, yeah, decadent. Maybe like, I haven't tried cafe spaghetti yet. I've heard it's good. Like, I like something in like Brooklyn. I, I haven't even heard of that. It's like a new place, I think, in Carroll Gardens that people are loving. Let's go. Okay, great. And then we'll do something in Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay, perfect. It might be like, uh, what's what's the Queen? Ridgewood. It might be like Ridgewood. Wait, then can we try? I haven't been to Rolo's yet, and everyone says that's really it's delicious. Wait, so can we do Rolo's and then something 100%. in Ridgewood? Actually, that's great. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Plan made. This is so fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible.